If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. The swamp, the mountain, the ocean, and the canyon. They're all awake now. The guardians of the land stand ready to heed Link's call. But what they'll do upon arrival is completely unknown. Maybe they'll handle the Skull Kid and Majora. Maybe they can unmake the curse of the mask. Perhaps Link need not struggle more against this threat. He's back at the dawn of the first day, which gives him plenty of time to dread once again climbing that clock tower. In his bomber's notebook, there are gaps in schedules and times, things around town and in the fields of Termina that he certainly missed. But the anxiety of facing the school kid makes focusing on anything other than that confrontation almost impossible. He goes to see Andrew at the Stockpot Inn, but he can't bring himself to stay there knowing what turmoil is taking place in her heart. The entertainers are upstairs going about their business, not knowing that Gorman was en route to see the mayor's wife and that their carnival appearances were all going to be cancelled. So maybe, maybe he should just jump ahead in time. Andrew's grandmother is always willing to read him a story, but, but being in the inn is too stressful. Instead, he'll just fast forward time himself. That night, Link stands outside the Stockpot Inn and just stares out for a few. W what is he doing? This is an actual waste of time. Jumping ahead when he could at least make the effort to see what's going on around town. See if he can be of help to anyone else. Maybe if he finds something to focus on, then the anxiety of night three will just ease up. It's the usual, the same old, same old around town. The main square is quiet, vendors are closing down. There's not a lot to see or do as the hours carry on. A few interesting interactions here and there, but for the most part, things are just peaceful and ordinary. Time passes from early evening into the late night, and just past midnight, Link walks into the northern section of town. Something distressing is happening. A familiar prancing man with a grinning face walks past an elderly woman carrying a small bag on her back. It's Saken. That thieving snake, and true to his nature, Saken grabs the bag off her back, pushes her down, and begins to run off with it. Out of reflex, Link runs up to the old woman to see if she's alright, but in doing so, Saken gets away. The whole thing, it just happened so fast, and the guards didn't move to stop him. She says that she was packing bomb bags for her store, but, well, it's long gone towards Akana Canyon already. Sorry ma'am, that really is unfortunate. Saken is the absolute worst, and Link completely failed to intervene on her behalf. It's not like him to miss something like that. So for the rest of the night, he takes to riding through the fields of Termina, searching out anything he may have missed in his prior journeys, but here too, things are relatively quiet. At the dawn of the second day, he finds himself back at the swamp. The poisoned water is back. Monsters are all around, everything rolled back to how it used to be. But with only a day to really explore, there's a time pressure to search out immediate problems. It's the night of the final day by the time he returns to Clocktown, completely unsuccessful in his endeavor to find a purpose this cycle beyond that Skull Kid confrontation. A waste of two and a half days. There's a few hours left. Maybe he can convince somebody to flee. This might be the final cycle he doesn't know what will happen atop that tower. So, he stops in to see the postman. Link has noticed him around town on the final day. He chose not to flee, so, well, maybe he can convince him. But, oh no. When Link enters the postman's house, he finds him on the floor having a complete breakdown. He says that he wants to flee, but he wasn't given the order, and tomorrow's mail hasn't been cancelled, so he won't allow himself to run away. Oh my 
myself! You have been doing a great job delivering the mail! I have a request for my hard-working self. All of the townfolk have taken refuge. I want myself to flee too. Even if it's not written on my schedule, I want myself to flee. Please. From me. Oh, he so badly wanted to escape, but when the time came, he couldn't do it. And Link can't convince him to go. The postman just stays on the floor, enveloped in his own panic. It's all the more reason that Link cannot fail. Midnight is approaching. It's time to get ready. Ascending that staircase leads to a familiar spot. Atop the tower, same as before, sits the Skull Kid, the Pawn of Majora. And the exquisitely harrowing moon looms low in the sky. Same as before, the Skull Kid taunts that even if the four were to come right now, they wouldn't be able to stop him. Well, it's time to challenge that confidence. The Skull Kid begins his call to the moon, the command for its final descent to begin, but this time... Link takes no action against him. Instead, he plays the Oath to Order. The rumble ceases. The Skull Kid ends his call to the moon and just stops like he's confused, looking around for something that he wasn't expecting. Whatever is happening within his mind, it forces him to thrash and scream against what's approaching. From the four corners of Termina, the giants step forth to catch the moon in the sky. They exist to protect this land, and up until now they've been ineffective against the curses of Majora, held captive and made inconsequential until now. The four are able to stop the fall of the moon just before impact over Clock Town. As dawn begins to break, the maddened moon completely stops held in place by the Guardians. This, this, is this victory? The sun is beginning to rise and Termina isn't in flame. Furthermore, the Skull Kid isn't moving. Tattle and Tail are finally reunited. Tattle's concern for her little brother has been consuming her this entire journey. Finally having him safely back was her goal, finally fulfilled. When she turns her attention towards the unresponsive Skull Kid, it's to berate him for what's happened. Tail asks her to try and understand the Skull Kid instead, to not be so hard on him. Tattle has some quite harsh words to describe how she feels about Skull Kid now, but lest one forget, who is in charge here? Certainly, he had far too many weaknesses to use my power. A puppet that can no longer be used is mere garbage. This puppet's rule has just ended. Majora ascending into the moon was far from expected. It's terrifying. And Tattle begs Link to rewind time to flee to go back to the first day. There's no planning for something like this. They have to go into that moon. They cannot back down now. And this sits poorly with Tattle. She doesn't want to leave her brother, and she does not want to go into that moon. She even tells Link that she will not go up there. But in her refusal... Tail speaks up, saying that he will go instead. He carries guilt for the Skull Kid's actions, for never intervening, for letting things go as far as they did. But to keep her brother safe, Tattle changes her mind and demands that she will go. No backing down now. Together, the two run into the pathway, leading up into the moon. It's 
Lovely. A huge, lush field of grass surrounded by a forest. And in the middle of the field rests a massive tree. There are butterflies all around it, and children at play beneath it. Children who wear the masks of the foul spirits that trap the guardians of Termina. And another who wears the mask of Majora. Will you play with me? No? You're a boring kid. What? What game? And why would he play with someone wearing Majora's mask? But each of the four children running around the tree ask Link if he'll hand over his masks to them. Masks that they did not earn. Most of these were gifts from the people of Termina, and they want him to just give them away. Give them to presumably evil beings. No, absolutely not. Who knows what they'll do with them? And Link has played enough games, he's not giving Majora the chance to get the upper hand, so no. He will not give these moon children his masks. He instead returns to the one wearing Majora's mask. Will you play with me? Yes. You only have weak masks. So, you'll play. Yes? Well, shall we go? Majora's arena is psychedelic and unusual. Four walls hold the masks that sealed away the guardians of Termina, and Majora itself sits upon a seat of importance. The eye draw of the room, a sun-like throne. And when Link draws in, Majora engages. For all its manipulation and cruelty to others, Majora itself is unlike any combatant Link has ever faced. Were Link not the hero of time and once holder of the Triforce of Courage, this presence would see him cut down in a matter of moments. Even as a seasoned fighter, Majora is immediately difficult for Link to handle. It twirls about the room in loops that make it hard to shoot and difficult to dodge, forcing Link to learn a timing in which Majora will be vulnerable and its weak side exposed. But that opening is extremely brief and being out of position is an opportunity lost to inflict pain on Majora and each arrow loosed is another that he will not have later. But once this realization is made, the hero slows his attack to calculate each shot to be patient and time his actions. It's a long sequence of dodging and outplaying until... Majora changes the rules. Phase one is over. Now the four enter the fight. Majora's chaotic twirling continues and now each of the masks that once rested on the walls float about as well firing off their own attacks on top of what was already taking place. But how is he supposed to handle five enemies at once, enemies that he cannot make sword contact with? Each shot counts, even after getting a life-saving bundle of arrows. But the silver lining is that with each of the four that Link manages to take down, the encounter becomes just a little bit easier. One by one, he takes them down until he's back to one-on-one -on -one combat with Majora. Though now, Majora changes the rules once again. It fires powerful beams of fire at the boy, but this, this is familiar. Long ago, yet in the future, when he was an adult back in Hyrule, the twin sorceresses within the spirit temple fired beams like this at him, and he was able to use it against them. So, here too, Link lines up his mirror shield against the attack and sends it back to Majora. But this has already been a long, drawn-out affair, and the hero's resources are running low. He's almost out of wind. Hopefully Majora is experiencing the same thing. This phase seems to be easier to handle, the masks aren't wildly swinging all over the room anymore, the two exchange massive hits for what feels like hours, and after a direct strike to its center, Majora lights on fire and doesn't put it out, it starts floating around the room, and then it stops in front of Link. Majora's mask isn't done, not by a long shot. This is Majora's incarnation, 
It's changed into something with legs, and it screams at the top of its lungs. It runs around the arena, it spins and dances, walks backwards, it's hard to keep up with it, and it taunts Link with a creepy stare from its new eye. The way it moves, it's just alarming. Ganondorf was cruel and violent, but he was predictable in his rage. Majora, though, its ominous movement is perplexing and distressing. Link has to chase it non-stop to line up shots and then book it into melee range to land a single sword hit before the creature once again rises and resumes its crude dancing. And if only, that screaming would stop. Every time Link takes a hit, it seems to manically laugh, or it could be a wailing howl. It's hard to tell the difference. He's lost count at how many hits he's landed, but after another eternity with this thing... Majora's attack stops again. And as before, it does not fall. How is it still going? How is it still fighting? Majora changes the rules and its form once again. Majora's Wrath. It's more humanoid, but still screams in ungodly sound. This thing is far more lethal than anything that came before. Its arms lash out as weapons, both close and long range. It's extremely difficult to hit with an arrow, and should Link draw in too close and Majora's Wrath see it, he'll be punished with a colossal backhand. But if Link can get a lucky shot in between whip flails, or rush his way in between twirling attacks, he can damage the thing. It can be killed, it will just require attention, planning, and a great deal of luck. They've both taken so much damage, and the fight is so close to being over, it has to be. Nothing can take this much of a beating and continue living. The two are both nearly done. And Majora lands a critical hit on the hero from afar. Another one of those will be his death, but he knows Majora's pattern until it throws a spinning weapon at him. It changed the rules of engagement again. And it hits. Link has been defeated. Far from a fairy tale, isn't it? What? Were you expecting the hero to waltz in and win? I have to admit, I was hopeful that you would. While once I pressured you to pursue only Majora, I now see that things have escalated beyond even my own expectations. So, I told you before that should you require aid, I would once again help you. I'll take your failure as a desperate request for my insight. Well, Link, in your haste to destroy Majora, you abandoned some within Termina who needed you. You decided their troubles weren't worth the time and that you'd rather be the hero sooner rather than later. Don't be defensive, I'm not judging you. I quite understand impulsive decisions. There are powers that exceed even Majora, hero, and those powers are quite close. You could take it for yourself if you desire. So, I shall help you, and you can make that choice for yourself when the time comes. My advice to you is to fill out that adorable little book those bomber rascals gave you. Solve every mystery, save every soul. I promise I won't say a single nasty word to you over it. And when next you enter the moon, speak with the children inside. Play their games. But you don't have to listen to me. The choice is yours, hero. 
Does he still have the courage required to tame the deity? Oh, Faror, take pity on your champion. Back again to the dawn of the first day. Seems the unknowable goddess of time once again intervened on Link's behalf. Or perhaps it was for Termina, not him. It doesn't really matter, does it? Okay. Okay. Pen and paper time. What's missing in this bomber notebook? The first obvious thing is that elderly woman that Saken attacked and stole from. That's the night of the first day, easy enough. It's time to hop to it, no time to lament over a loss. A prompt to jump forward to the night of the first day is where he needs to be. Then, it's up to the north side of the town to wait for Saken. Although, by interesting happenstance, Link notices that Saken is already there. Hanging out, casing the place like a creep. Why is he just so weird? Well, just a few steps away is another curious character. One Link has never encountered, at least up until now. Wearing that Keaton mask that Cafe once wore, Link draws out an actual Keaton, who was hiding in the nearby grass. Well, this is an unexpected surprise, and he has some trivia for Link. Let's see how you do. Answer me this, pick one of the three choices. What bad habit does Andrew the innkeeper have? She's quick to apologize. She's quick to get angry. She's quick to break into tears. The answer is, she's quick to apologize. Next, what time does Romani, the girl at the ranch, go to bed? Seven? Eight? She doesn't sleep. The answer is... Eight o'clock. Next, what weapon does Romani, the girl at the ranch, use in practice? Slingshot? Bow? She doesn't use one. The answer is... The bow. Next, who is the leader of the Bomber's gang? Gorman? Vissen? Jim? The answer is... Jim. Finally, what is the name of Andrew's father? Padre? Tortoise? Turtle? The answer is... Tortoise. How many did you get right? A fun way to pass the time, no? A nice way to calm down and feel highly in again after that whole Majora incident. Link waits in hiding until midnight, keeping an eye on Saken from a distance. But it's not until that old lady appears that he pounces again. This time, though, Link is ready and he's waiting. He doesn't try to reason with him, grab him, or get in his way. Link takes out his sword and takes a big ol' swing at Saken's midsection, making contact and forcing the thief to drop his stolen goods and take off. Once again, the guard does absolutely nothing to stop him. Saving the old lady's merchandise nets Link a great reward. The blast mask. Another good deed done and another mask collected. Now, what else did he miss along the way? You know, there was a weird house in the swamp near the Deku Palace. Okay, that's another good lead worth investigating. Janelle, there was something else. There was something in Ekana Canyon. It was barely noticeable. A circle of rocks and the blissful sound of a man screaming. Do you remember? No? Well, Link barely does too. Before going to the swamp to look at that house, Link swings by that rock circle where you heard a man yelling. Or maybe he heard a cuckoo getting ready to attack. Best to take a healing item along just in case because cuckoos are lethal creatures after all. At that rock circle, it seems that nothing is there. But using the lens of truth, 
Link discovers that there actually is a man there, yelling and waving his arms. But if he's invisible, then he's like Darmani and actually, oh my, he's dead. The soldier is taken aback at Link's acknowledgement. He has been trying for years to get somebody to notice him. He thinks it's because he's about as interesting as a rock, but well, we'll just let him keep thinking that that's the case. The soldier asks Link for some medicine, something that would make him feel better about the situation. And since this isn't a cuckoo attack situation, Link gifts the soldier a potion. He thinks it makes him feel better, and out of gratitude, he gives to Link the stone mask. Very good. Another person in need marked off the list. And after drinking down that potion, the soldier, well, he's not so invisible anymore. So maybe that guy really was just so uninteresting that he blended into the background. Well, Link is at least glad the guy isn't actually dead. Good luck with that arm waving, though. Now, onto the swamp and that weird webby house. Inside, Link finds a man in a state of transformation into Skulltula. He begs Link to kill all the golden Skulltulas in the house to break the curse that he's under. And the reward for doing this is the Mask of Truth. All right, another familiar item from a faraway place. Now, what else? What else? You know, being here, it reminds Link of something. From what felt like an eternity ago, after he had rescued the princess from Adolwa, she and the monkey had mentioned the butler had prepared something for him. But did he ever actually go and find the butler? He assumed it was a party, but what if it wasn't a party? To the right of the palace when leaving. Okay. Well, there's a problem. The water is poisonous, and there's some octopus thing in the way. The water needs to be not poisonous. Ah, dang it. Did he really mess this up? He was supposed to come here after cleansing the temple, and he didn't. Biscuits and gravy, what was he thinking? Okay, well, maybe this is just a lesson to be learned about diligence. He has to go kill Adolwa again. Fair enough. Thankfully, a path straight to Adolwa stands at the entrance of the Swamp Temple, and Link is able to once again down the fiend, cleanse the swamp, rescue the princess, and sure enough, they tell him to go see the butler at that cavern. So he will do just that this time. The water is safe to swim in, and that octopus creature is gone. And there is the butler, waiting for Link to arrive. He tells the hero that the Deku have prepared a gift, and that all he must do is follow the butler to it. Though... This is a challenge in and of itself. It's more of a wild chase through a gauntlet of death traps than an escort to a prize. This extremely long route is full of opportunities for Link to die or fail. At the end of the trial, the butler congratulates Link and apologizes for the difficult trek. Link reminds him of his son, who left home. They used to race together just like this all the time, but he vanished and the butler doesn't know where he went. Oh, oh no. Oh, that dead shrub that Link bypassed when he first came through the tree and arrived in Termina. Was that the butler's son? The Goron mask holds the soul of Darmani. The Zora mask holds Mikau. He never stopped to think about who, who was in the Deku mask. Could that be who it was? The butler gifts to Link the mask of sense. Another deed complete, but this one feels different. It feels hollow. It feels incomplete. But there's nothing more that he can do, so it, it's just it's just time to move on. It's late into the final day by this point, and Link returns to Clocktown to visit the postman. He wasn't able to find a way to convince him to flee. He still panics and cries in his home, and time is running out. So how can he help this man? Late into the night, after the clock tower opens up, Link drops by the pawn shop to see if, maybe by chance, Kaffee's friend has something that will send the postman away. 
And while he does have a mask... You wanna buy my creepy weird mask, kid? You'll never sleep again. Scout's honor. He doesn't have anything that could actually send the postman away. And really, that's... I don't know why I'm being so... That's his last task in the notebook. How can he help the postman? Wait a minute. Wait a darn minute. The pawn shop owner kind of kicked up a memory. Now, Cafe, he says he wants you to take this to his mother. Express mail. Why give it to Link? To me? The delivery schedule is the highest priority. Oh, chicken nuggets. Did he bumble this one too? The mail is the highest priority, and when he was given that letter to deliver to the mayor's wife, Madame Aroma, Link just walked it to her himself, but what if instead he gave it to the postman? Madame Aroma has a far stronger will and ability to freely command than her husband. The mayor refused to issue an evacuation notice, but Madame Aroma? Hmm. Once again, Link rewinds time, back to the dawn of the first day. Cause you know what? There's a postman to save y'all. And he goes through the stages of the Andrew and Cafe drama, repeating every step he previously took in solving their strange dilemma. But this time, when the pawn shop owner gives Link that letter on the final day after Cafe has already departed to chase down Saken in Iconic Canyon, Link does not hunt down Madame Aroma himself to deliver the letter. Instead, he waits for the postman to be home that night, and he hands off the express mail to him, for him to deliver. And surprise, surprise. The delivery gets him up and running once again. He immediately takes to the task. Link follows him across town, straight to the entrance of the milk bar latte, where Madame Aroma sits all alone inside drinking. And to her, it's a shock to see the postman still in town. She would have expected everyone to have fled, but he couldn't forsake his loyalty to his job, even with the coming apocalypse. Madame Aroma is thrilled to receive the letter, and she tells the postman that he must flee. It's an order now that he do so. Before leaving town, the postman gifts to Link his very own postman's hat. The two can match now. This is the happy ending that he so desired. Joyfully, the postman flees Clocktown into the fields of Termina to seek out safety wherever he can. And with that, the bomber's notebook is complete, every single mask collected. Midnight is just around the corner. Happy Mask Salesman had told him to clear the errands around Termina and to play with the moon children in that field. So. He will observe this advice, and he will do just that. At midnight, the clock tower opens up, and Link ascends the staircase one last time. Again, he stops the Skull Kid with the Oath to Order, summoning the Guardians of Termina to hold the moon still, and he follows the mask into the mouth of the moon, back to that sprawling green field teeming with life. Let's see what these moon children have to say. Ah, nice weather, isn't it? Masks. You have a lot. You too. Will you be a mask salesman? Then I'll play with you. So the masks. Give me some. All these memories and keepsakes. It's time to give them up, hero. Thanks. You... You're a nice person, aren't you? Hide and seek. Let's play, alright? I'll hide. The moon child with the mask of Adolwa takes one mask from Link and then pulls him into a new plane within the moon. Using the Deku mask, Link makes his way through a small obstacle course of jumps and flying. Should Link have lost his way through Termina or overlooked a particular task, there are gossip stones all around that will direct him towards a person or item that he may need to progress. The option to rewind time is still there should he need it. 
On the other side of the gorge is a door that takes the boy into a strangely decorated and small room, almost like a macabre playroom, with the walls and ceiling painted to look like a skybox. You found me. Hey, I want more masks. Alright, well, it's time to say goodbye to more keepsakes. Heh, <laughs> thanks. You're nice. Um, can I ask you a question? Your friends, what kind of people are they? I wonder. Do those people think of you as a friend? Of course they do. Of course they do. Except they don't remember him, do they? Adolwa's trial is complete. The next masked child that Link confronts will be Georg. And just like the moon child before him, this one demands more masks from Link. Three this time, to start things off. And once this is done, he pulls Link into another realm to play a game of hide-and-seek. This time, Link is before a series of tunnels filled with flowing water. Using the Zora mask, he has to find the correct path forward in the branching labyrinth of underwater paths. It takes some luck, some guessing, some pathing, but Link finds the Georg Moonchild eventually, waiting for him, in a small room similar to the one before. And, just like before, he demands more masks from Link. Another set of three he takes. And then, another question. The right thing. What is it? I wonder, if you do the right thing, does it really make everybody happy? Well, that's a hard question. He's certainly tried to always do the right thing. Tried to make people happy. It wasn't his choice to take it away from them, he just... He's just always done his best. Back into the field he goes, approaching the tree once again. Two more moon children remain. The next one will be Goat, who starts their encounter by taking two masks from Link. Then he takes Link to a new place made of long pathways, ramps, and tight churns that he will have to use his Goron mask to make it through. But here, if Link doesn't panic, if he lets the course naturally guide him forward and he only stops when a branching path is clear, then he can make the process far more easy on himself. Fighting the churns and trying to memorize the layout of the tracks will just make for a bad time. And at the end of the course is the next Moonchild, patiently awaiting Link's arrival, ready to greet him with a demand for three more masks, and concluding with another question. You. What makes you happy? I wonder. What makes you happy? Does it make others happy too? What? Of course it would make others happy. Helping and saving people, it's a good thing. It should make people rejoice. I mean, at least it should make good people rejoice. Evildoers know that they're evil, right? And they deserve to be unhappy when Link confronts them. Back to the field, one more moon child remains. This one wears the mask of the Twin Mold, and he takes from Link four masks. His collection is almost wiped out at this point. Each mask he surrenders is a small punch to the gut. He's not going to have anything left by the end of this, is he? Another game of hide-and-seek is demanded. Hopefully, this is the last time. But the twin mold child puts Link through a trial by combat. Three vicious enemies Link must face all in a row, and hopefully he came prepared with bomb chews and fire arrows to get through each locked door as well. But the final of the moon children waits for him at the end, demanding all of his remaining masks. That's the last of them. Um, can I ask you a question? It's your face. What kind of face is it? I wonder. The face under the mask. Is it your true face? What other face would he have? What kind of a question is that? Of course it's his true face. Is he implying that Link is untruthful? Or a fraud? Well, he's back in the field one more time. That last question really kind of set him off kilter. The, the last remaining being is that kid wearing Majora's mask. It's hard to call them a moon child with that thing on their face. But as he did with the other children, Link approaches and speaks with them. 
Everyone has gone away, haven't they? Will you play with me? You don't have any masks left, do you? Well, let's do something else. Let's play good guys against bad guys. Yes, let's play that. This child gives Link a mask. The fierce deity's mask, and it feels wrong. Are you ready? You're the bad guy. And when you're bad, you just run. That's fine, right? Well, shall we play? Link is the bad guy now? What, what does he mean by that? And this mask? Is, is this how Majora wants to play? Link is taken back into that psychedelic arena where Majora rests on its seat of importance. But, before engaging his foe, Link dons this fierce deity's mask. He changes, just as he's done time and time again with the other transformation masks, but a dark energy is within this one. It feels evil, but the power is so great that Link far exceeds anything that he was in his true form. The battle between the two beings begins, just as it did before, but this time, whatever Link has become dominates over the mask. He doesn't need extra equipment, fancy gear to make contact with Majora. He wields a sword powerful enough to make contact from the ground. The four mounted masks enter the fight, coming to Majora's aid. But why does the fierce deity even care? What are they going to do? Shoot him in the back? Beating the life out of Majora is just far too easy, far too enjoyable to pay them any mind. He continues his assault against it, pushing Majora into its next phase, into Majora's incarnation. While it stupidly runs around the room, screaming at the top of its lungs, the deity turns his eyes upon the four masks still fluttering about the room. They're just irritating now. They're in the way, so they'll be the next to die. One by one, he cuts them down with ease, ignoring Majora for a while. When they're taken care of, he can turn his attention back to enjoy the process of ending this menace. How many lives did it destroy? How many times did it defy and torment Link? And now he has the power to make it tremble and flee. Each swing feels better than the last. He pushes his wailing opponent into its final form, Majora's Wrath. Last time they fought, Majora's Wrath destroyed the boy. It was only by the grace of time that Link rose again. This time, though, no god's mercy is going to be saving anyone. The gods aren't needed here. Majora's Wrath still inflicts pain on the deity, but each hit from Majora is returned twofold. The powerful sword Link now wields does such damage that it almost stuns the wrathful creature, allowing him to strike it multiple times before it regains its senses and flees from his reach. Majora can only keep the deity away for so long. Flailing its arms about to strike out is a simple attack to dodge for Link in this form. So simple that he completely destroys Majora. Screaming, shaking, the vile spirit within the mask begins to dissipate in its own plane. The world crumbling away with it. Majora's mask has been defeated. Termina's salvation delivered by a hero wielding a great evil. The moon itself begins to melt away. Overtaken by light, it vanishes into the sky. Denizens of Termina and the four guardians watch it fade. They will not die this morning. They will greet the dawn of a new day. Link awakens in the fields of Termina, the deity gone. The Skull Kid not far away, looking up to the four guardian giants of the land who stare back at him. In their way, the giants tell Skull Kid that they'd never forgotten about him, they were still his friend. And oh, the Skull Kid cries and sobs at hearing this, he was so sad. 
so lonely when they left. He didn't understand that they had to protect the lands. They didn't mean to hurt him, but still it happened. Now he has to come to terms with that sadness and find a new way forward, though now with Tattle and Tail at his side. The four cannot stay. Once again, they must return to their corners of the land to serve their purpose. They hold no resentment, no animosity, no hostility. They go in peace, leaving the Skull Kid to find his own way. When he shakes off his sorrow, Skull Kid approaches Link, asking if he was the one who saved him, and if maybe Link wants to be his friend too? He smells just like the fairy kid who taught him a song in the woods once, so why not do something together as friends? Oh, but first... Oh, so the evil has left the mask after all. Well, now I finally have it back. Since I am in the midst of my travels, I must bid you farewell. Shouldn't you be returning home as well? Wherever there is a meeting, a parting is sure to follow. However, that parting need not last forever, whether a parting be forever or merely for a short time. That is up to you. With that, please excuse me. But my, you sure have managed to make quite a number of people happy. The masks you have are filled with happiness. This is truly a good happiness. The happy mask salesman was the man who originally found and carried Majora's mask. Who knows the ventures that he's had? Sometimes instigator, sometimes guiding light, always a little creepy and weird. Safe trip to you, salesman. Thanks for helping stop your apocalypse. The people of Termina have lives to put back together. With Majora's Mask defeated, things will return to normal eventually. Though some damage has already been done, there's at least hope on the horizon for recovery. It's time for Tattle and Link to say goodbye. When Navi vanished, he was never given a chance at closure, but this time it's different. Though Tattle is rough around the edges, the two still bid each other a fond farewell, parting ways as friends. Link will not remain in Termina to observe the carnival that will be taking place. The Indigo Goes perform their set at the Milk Bar Latte. The Gorman Troop dancers get to put their skills on display. The lands of Termina return to normal, its inhabitants getting back to the way things used to be within their homes. The postman wildly runs about the fields, no longer completely tethered to his job. The great fairies of the land have been made whole once again. Romani Ranch is teeming with life and happiness as the two sisters and all their cattle happily carry on about their days, with nothing in the world amiss. Vendors and shopkeeps around Clocktown continue on with their business. Those who worked so hard to be a part of it and helped to make possible the carnival are able to sit back and enjoy the many shows and festivities that take place. And the cherry on top. Andrew and Cafe are both completely back to normal and they're able to get married. A beautiful end. To a troubling tale. But for that Deku butler, the path beneath Clocktown is open once again, and he finds his son, that spirit within the Deku mask. No longer must he wonder what became of his son. At least now, he can carry his boy back home to where he belongs, and for Link. He returns to his solitude within the forest, riding aimlessly in search of Navi, but with new scars that he'll carry with him for the rest of his life. Though at least this time, He's leaving a land that welcomed him, that embraced him. Though he was fighting a true and great evil, he made so many personal connections in his time there. Though most of his deeds were lost to the rewind of time and forgotten, the hero experienced acceptance, 
He experienced gratitude and warmth, and in the end, this time, he's leaving with joy in his heart. Though the road before him is uncertain and lonely in this moment, there's more to life that he has yet to find. Termina was proof of that. This is the end of this hero's tale. He will go on to have descendants, tales not for us to know. The bloodline of the aspects of courage and knowledge will carry on, but, well, what of the aspect of power? What of Ganondorf? Well, he was to be executed in Link's absence, but... Well, he's the holder of power. The execution failed. He murdered one of the sages. He is cast into a foreign realm as a final attempt to contain his great evil, but in a far-off time. This very same Ganondorf will return, and he will hold in his heart a hatred so deep that he will find them.